Is that what it's like? My girls are still young, so I'm, I'm enjoying the youngness. Although my oldest is, is venturing into that a, a little bit, and I'm, I don't know that I'm so prepared for it. <clears throat> uh, guys, have you, ever, have you ever asked a woman when she's due and find out she's not due? I think the average guy does that like once in their life. The problem with me is I'm a little above average, and I haven't learned my lesson yet. Um, actually, uh, preparing for this, I had a funny story come to mind. There was a, a, a girl that I was friends with when we were in college, and uh, her mom wasn't doing too well. This isn't the funny part. Uh, she was really sick. And every time I saw her, I'd say, how are you? How, how are you? How's your mom? How are you? How's your mom? How are you? How's your mom? <clears throat> and then sure enough, her mom got sick enough and, and ended up passing away. And the next time I run into her, I'm like, how are you? How's your mom? You ever feel that? You ever, do, you ever like stick your foot in your mouth and it's just like you wish you, wish you could just kind of take it back? Like God was good enough to give us this button, right? Like you start talking and you can hit pause on it and like, okay, I, I can brace myself. But I, what I really wish is that God gave us this button. Wouldn't that be much more helpful? Because once our words are out there, they're out there, aren't they? You, you can't take them back. We can stop in the middle of something, but what we all really want to do is kind of take a step back from what we said and pull it back in because once our words are out there, they're out there, and there's no coming back. There's no taking them back. Last week, Brian introduced this idea. He did, he did a great job of introducing uh, the, the idea of this topic and where we're going. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to catch up. Head out to our website. The best way to do that is subscribe to our podcast. They'll be delivered to your, you know, your, your iPad, your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever it is. You can watch the messages there and share messages. But I encourage you to catch up. The, the content in this series, I think, is exceptionally helpful. And it's one we're going to be pointing back to all the time because words are incredibly powerful. And that's what, how well, Brian kind of introduced that last week, is that our words are incredibly powerful. He introduced th this, this uh, phrase that I'm going to introduce to you this morning, or, or kind of reintroduce to you if you weren't here, and, and that's this. We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And there's kind of a hand motion that goes with it, right? We need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, and we open our hands. Quick to listen and slow to speak. And you know what, why, why we do this? Because when we're not quick to listen, when, when we're really quick to remark, when we're really quick to, to enter back into the, the conversation and argue, what tends to happen when we get tense? What tends to happen when we argue? Our hands don't stay like this, do they? The more we argue, our hands kind of clench and get tighter, and then when we're really mad, their fists down at our sides, right? We, we close ourselves off. We close off our heart. We close off our mind. We close off our mouth. We close off our ears. Well, maybe not our mouth so much, but definitely our ears. And we stop listening, and we just start yelling. And what we need to learn to do is we need to learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak. You, sorry, you can go back to that. Quick to listen and slow to speak. So here's what, what, what I'm going to do. He had you repeat this. I'm going to have you repeat this as a little refresher. Would you say it with me? You ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time, and even if you're at home and you're watching this or you're listening to this in your car ride to work, say it with me. Quick to listen, slow to speak. That's what we want. We want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. The truth is, when we're entering into any kind of discussion, we want the same thing as the person who's arguing with us wants, right? We want to be understood. You want to be heard, and you want to be understood. That's what we want. We want to be heard, and we want to be understood. We want the same thing as the person who's arguing with us wants. We may not want to be quick to listen and slow to speak, but we want the person we're arguing with to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So why not do it with them? Why not be quick to listen and slow to speak? Because once our words are out there, they're powerful. The truth is words are extraordinarily powerful. That, that our lives, that my life, that your life, that, that, that our, our children's lives, they're, they're shaped by the words that have been spoken to us and spoken over us or spoken about us. Think about your relationships. They are, they are shaped by the words that you're saying. Your most intimate relationship with, with your spouse, it is shaped by the words you say. 
Think about your childhood. It was shaped by the words that were spoken over you and about you. Some people had extraordinary confidence, and their confidence was shattered by the words that were spoken to them. Some people had no confidence, and because of the words that were spoken to them and over them, their confidence was kind of rallied, and they gained, and they moved forward. Words are exceptionally powerful. Words are really the most powerful thing we have. Wars were started over words. And really, one of the interesting things about words is that words aren't equally weighted, are they? They're not equally weighted. I mean, I can't, I can't understand, really, um, when somebody says something negative to you, when there's a negative comment, like, they turn around and make a positive comment. It's not like, like we feel better because of one positive. There's actually statistics out there that say how many positive things need to be said to kind of overdo the negative one thing that was said. It, it, it's like you go away with, you know, your, your, your father or your grandfather or, your, your, you know, maybe a mentor or a friend, and they say something to you like this, like, like honey, son, like, I, I, I don't ever want you to forget this. Remember this. And then you're, you're here today, and you're like, you know, I remember my dad starting a conversation that way. I remember him saying, don't ever forget this, but I kind of forgot what he said. But I remember every sarcastic comment he made. I remember every time he made fun of me because the way I looked or because of how bad I was at sports or because maybe I was a little overweight or maybe I was too skinny. I remember every negative thing he said because words aren't equally weighted. We always tend to forget the important things, the good things, the positive things, but we never, ever, ever forget the negative, do we? It lingers and it sticks around. And for some of us, it continues to plague us from our childhood into our adulthood because words aren't equally weighted. Another interesting thing about this is the source isn't equally weighted. Think about this for a minute. If you're a boss, your words weigh like 150 pounds. If you're a mom, your words weigh like 500 pounds. Dads, I'm not sure why, but our words are the heaviest. Whatever you say, it lingers and it stays and it affects. Whatever you say to your children, it carries with them for the rest of their life because the source isn't equally weighted. What your words say matter. Who says the words matter? When I was a youth minister and I, was, I worked with a bunch of teenagers and some of them came from really tough upbringings, really tough childhoods. Uh, uh, some had, had uh, really great parents. Some had really negligent parents. One girl in particular that I was working with, she was just making strides in her life. She, was, she, she had d- decided to trust Jesus and follow Jesus. She turned away from, from this lifestyle that was so destructive and hurtful and, and, and like personally uh, damaging. She was just doing incredible. And I remember one time just encouraging her, I'm so proud of you. You're doing great. Like, look at what you've done. Look at where you were two years ago and where you are now. This is awesome. She looked up at me with longing in her eyes and said, Jim, that's, that's awesome that you said that. Thank you for your kind words but you're not my dad. Pastor Jimmy, I, I, I'm so like, thrilled that you even said that about me. But I wish my dad would say it. I wish those words came from my father. Because the source isn't equally weighted either. And another interesting thing about words is that the recovery time isn't equally weighted. When we hurt somebody with our words and it harms you, that, that immediate pain, it doesn't go away easy, does it? And even if we follow up and we, we, we say things like this, but I said I'm sorry, right? What, what, what we're really saying is this. We're, we're saying, I know I hurt you with my words, but, but I said I'm sorry, right? I, I said I didn't mean to say it. I, I, I said, I, I, you know, it was a mistake. I was drunk. I, I was mad. I was angry. Can't we just be okay? Really, that's what we're saying, isn't it? What we're, what we're really saying is, is, why aren't we back to where we started before I said this? Why aren't we back to where we were before I said what I said? Like, can't we just be okay? Can't we just go back to the way things were? 
I know I said something stupid. I know I hurt your feelings. You called me on it. Can't we just go back? I said, I said I'm sorry. Our words hurt. And they don't immediately go away, even if we say I'm sorry. It takes time. There's recovery involved. So we need to learn to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and listen and listen and listen. And then be very slow to give our response. We started off last week looking at the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus, and we're going to dive back into his book again this week. I'm, I'm, just, I'm always amazed when we dive into this book. James was the brother of Jesus, and I can't imagine what it would be like to grow up the brother of Jesus, to experience what you experience, to hear the wisdom from your older brother. It, just, it, it boggles my mind. James writes this book, The Brother of Jesus. And, and if you're not a, a Christ follower, if you don't read the Bible, you're not sure where to begin, like, ah, I don't know if I really want to read. And if I do read, where do I start? I, I would encourage you, start with James. I mean, go to this very practical book written by the guy who spent the most time with Jesus. He was the brother of Jesus. Read this book. It's incredible, his insight and his knowledge. He says some really powerful things about words, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. He has this incredible passage uh, found in James chapter 3 that deal with our words and how powerful our words are. And really, as we're going to see, how destructive our words are. And if you've ever thought about the Bible and thought, you know, the Bible isn't true, the, the, the truth is you're wrong, and here's why, because of his opening statement. He starts his discussion this way. <clears throat> we all stumble in many ways. We're like, yeah, that's right. We all stumble. Like me, whether I'm a Christ follower or I'm not a Christ follower, whether I'm a churchgoer or I'm not a churchgoer, whether I've been saved, you know, my, my whole life or for 30 years, 40 years, or I just got saved yesterday. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone, and listen to this part, anyone, <clears throat> anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say, anybody who can kind of guard their mouth, anybody who speaks perfectly, anybody who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. What do you mean by perfect, James? It means that they are able to keep their whole body in check because of what they say. They are perfect because of how they speak, because of their words. They are perfect, and they keep their whole body in check. <coughs> Excuse me. And then as we're reading through this, James is, is kind of saying, I, they may miss this. This may be too much of a loft idea, so let me give you an illustration. Let, let me illustrate it this way. When we put a bit into a horse's mouth, or into the mouth of horses. And I, I grew up in a city, I'd never had a, the chance to do this. Maybe you grew up on the farm or you had horses around and you know what it was like to put a bit in a horse's mouth. I imagine that's not a very easy thing to do. But James says, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. That with this small bit, we can make this huge animal goes where it wants. And if you've, if you've ever spent time with, with horses or you, know, you have like a niece or, or maybe you have a son at home or a little girl, we have daughters in my family and my girls are obsessed with horses. As a matter of fact, my youngest thinks she's a horse. If you see her crawling around after service, going up on her back knees, she, she's playing horse. That's what she does. <clears throat> My oldest was obsessed with horses. She's about eight now, but when she was younger, all she wanted for her birthday was to ride a horse. So we took her to a farm to ride a horse. And and I know I look like a strapping guy who, who you know, can handle anything. I got to tell you, seeing my little girl on a horse, it scared me to death. There's this little girl, and her legs are like, like popped out to the side. They don't even, she can't even like wrap them around the horse and hold on. They're just like, they're sticking out to the side, and she's bobbing on down on this, this elephant of a horse that looks like it could trample her in any, any moment. And the instructor's kind of walking her around the track, and then she's like, watch, Dad, watch, Mom. And she lets go, the instructor lets go of the reins and hands it to my daughter. 
And my daughter begins to turn this mammoth of a beast. And she's like, like this big, her little legs popping out to the side. It was like the weirdest thing in the world. It was, it was scary. But James is trying to illustrate a point here. That this little piece, this little bit in the mouth of a horse can cause us to, to really overcome the entire animal that it, so that even someone small can tell the animal where to go. That perhaps our tongue is like that. That our mouth is the same way. That this little thing can, can actually change the course and the direction and the destiny and even the quality of our entire life. A bit in the mouth of horse and we can turn the entire animal and he says, oh, okay, but, but if you don't like the horse illustration, let me give you another one. How about we talk about boats? Let's talk about boats, uh, ships. And these aren't like ships like we have. These are like first and second century ships. He, he says, okay, take ships as an example. Although they are so large, <clears throat> although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot, pilot wants them to go. These massive boats, these, these ships, these are like the second largest thing that, that, that humans could build at this time aside from buildings. They were just massive. Could you throw the picture of the ship up for us? Sorry, it's not a picture. They didn't have pictures back then. This is a drawing of an ancient merchant ship. The ship is huge. Look at the vast sails that, that can be taken by the wind. And the wind can take you in, in, in a multitude of directions, right? It's unruly. Who knows where it's going? You have this massive sail that could hold 200 people and tons and tons of cargo. This huge ship and this little, little bitty rudder right there. That this small thing can direct the course, the direction, and the destination of this huge ship. This small part has big influence. This little thing, this rudder, this bit, our tongue has incredible influence. Something so small. Yet, has massive, massive influence. Likewise, he said, like the rudder, like the bit in the horse's mouth, likewise the tongue. And I, I want you to think about this for one. I know it's a little gross, but think about the tongue. It's one of those disgusting parts of the body that you really don't want to see. <clears throat> but, but the tongue, it, it's, made up, it's really about four inches long, unless you're Gene Simmons, then you know, who knows how far that thing stretches. It's about four inches long. It, it's, it's really kind of gross. It, you know, it, it, it smells bad. No one wants to see it. The tongue is made up of about eight muscles, and, and believe it or not, men, you, you probably would believe this, the eight muscles in the tongue never get tired. They never wear out. You can exhaust every muscle in your body, and you can never exhaust your tongue. Now, I know guys tend to believe that a little more than you ladies, but the truth is, no matter who you are, male or female, old or young, you could talk, and you can talk, and you can talk, and your tongue never gets tired. It never wears out. James is saying, just like the bit, just like the rudder, likewise, the tongue, even though it is small, it is a small part of the body, it makes great boasts. It has extraordinary influence. It has extraordinary power. And again, your tongue can control the direction, the destination, the quality of your life. And he says, okay, if you don't believe me, here's some more illustrations. He says, consider this. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And they couldn't, they couldn't picture this because they didn't, they were, none of them saw these massive forests and saw forest fires. They'd have these small brush fires that would be blown by the wind and go. But we don't have to imagine, right? This is what forest fires look like. We don't have to imagine. We know exactly what it looks like. We know the destruction that it causes. The millions and millions and millions of dollars in property damage and, and, and household damage and real estate. We know that one small spark can set a fire. We don't have to imagine. But James is saying it, it, it's incredible that something so small, it was Neverland the first time. 
<clears throat> that something so small can cause destruction that looks like this. Can you throw that next, next picture up for me. That something so incredibly small, it almost br- breaks our mind, it breaks our, our, our comprehension that this would lead to this. James says that's exactly, exactly what your tongue is like. Something so small can cause such vast damage that it could change the direction, the course, and the quality of your life. He compares it to this. He says, if the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the body parts, your tongue has the potential, and we're going to discover this next week, so don't miss next week. Your tongue has the potential for incredible good. But James, he's kind of focusing on the negative. He says, your tongue also has the potential for unlimited evil, for endless evil, that that evil can come from the tongue, that that great amounts of evil can come from the tongue. Think about this for a moment. Well, what in our lives can't be initiated by our tongue? A divorce can be initiated by our words. Murder can be initiated by an argument, right? Abuse can be initiated with words. What couldn't be done? Relationships could be destroyed because of the words we say. That endless amounts of evil come out of the tongue. It's like a fire, and it sets fire to whatever it touches. He says this, it corrupts the whole body. It corrupts the entire body. And when we think about this, let me, let me illustrate it this way. <clears throat> you, for those of you who had teenagers, we talked about this earlier, and they mouth off to you. Do you ground the mouth, or do you ground the teenager? But when your little kids talk back, do you discipline the mouth, or do you discipline the child? Right? When, when we get in fights as a couple, are you just mad at the mouth of what he said or are you mad at him? In, in, in school, when the principal, when a student acts up, they don't expel just the mouth, they expel the entire student. The, the mouth has the ability, and this is what James is saying, to destroy your entire body, to get your body into trouble, to get your, to, really, the mouth can pick fights with people that you can't beat that would ultimately destroy you. The mouth gets the entire body into trouble. It causes damage. It can change the direction and the destination and the quality of your life. It corrupts the entire body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Because as your words go, so goes your life. As your words go, so goes your relationships. And you have the potential and I have the potential to burn down every relationship we have with our words. I can burn down my marriage with my words. I can destroy my my child's future with my words. Think about this. I have a microphone attached to my mouth, and right now, I can destroy my entire career with the words I tell you the next. Next week, you'll come, and the elders will come on stage and say, hey, you guys remember Jim? Yeah, we remember Jim. Yeah, he's not going to be here anymore. He said some things he shouldn't have said. He said he's sorry, and we forgive him, but he's not going to come back. I can destroy my entire career with the words I say. You can destroy an entire relationship. You can destroy your job. You can destroy your future potential with the words that we say. And here's the amazing thing. When we say things that we shouldn't say, what do we do? We immediately defend ourselves, don't we? And how do we defend ourselves? With more words, right? I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I was angry. I was tired. I was drunk. I was upset. <clears throat> you started it. And we try to defend ourselves with our own words. And really, what we need to do is just take ownership. Right? We need to own the mistake we made. We need to own the words we said. If you start a fire accidentally, the truth is, you need to own it. 
You need to own that you accidentally started a fire. You still caused it. If you start a fire accidentally with your words, you need to own it. You need to be responsible. I didn't mean it, but I did it. It was a mistake, and I'm sorry. And once we do, once we say the words, the next step is for us to take responsibility. Because out of the mouth, out of this toxic thing that can destroy so much, James tells us, it was set on fire by hell. When he's talking about hell here, I don't think he's talking about a destination. I think he's talking about the maker of evil. Uh, that it was set on fire by evil. Have you ever said something and then said to yourself, I don't know where that came from? I don't know where that came from. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the evil that resides in the hearts of every person. The tongue was set on fire by hell. The tongue has the potential for unspeakable evil. And we say things we don't want to say. Once we say them, they're out there. And they cause pain and they cause destruction. And then James takes his discussion in a completely different direction. He says this, all kinds of animals, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. And what he's saying is when he's talking about tamed, he's not talking about domesticated. We don't make these things our our animals at home or our pets at home. At least, hopefully, you don't make these things your pets at home. He's saying we're not talking about domesticated, we're talking about taming them. That we no longer live in fear of these animal attacks. That occasionally you might hear of a shark bite. Occasionally you might hear of a snake bite. But that overall, mankind, humankind, has, caused, has had dominion over the earth. And we've learned to tame animals. We've learned to, to deal with the snake problem. You know, and, and the lion and the tiger and the bear. Oh, my problem. We don't live in fear of that anymore. He says, but this, but no one, no one, but no human being can, as in you are not able to, tame the tongue. That your tongue and my tongue are untamable. It can never be fully domesticated. It will never be fully under control. There's this unpredictable thing about it that will always, always be there. Again, we must guard our mouths. We must guard our words. We must be quick to listen and slow to speak. He says, it is a restless, and this is a powerful word, It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's volatile. It really, it should come with a warning label. He illustrates how unpredictable the mouth is, and this is amazing. In fact, some of you, you you may have even been guilty about this on your way here this morning. You may be guilty about this going home this afternoon. He says this, he says, with the tongue or with our mouth, and and remember, James is writing this to the first century Christians, to first century Christ followers. With your tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and then with it, we turn right around and we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. It's like you come to church and you're feeling good, you sing those songs, you know, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you? You hear the words, we go home, we're, we're feeling good, we get to the restaurant and the waitress gets our order wrong and we start getting upset. And then, you know, the, the bill comes and it's higher than we thought. And then we get in the car and we start driving home and someone cuts you off. And with the same mouth that just a few hours before, you were praising God. You're now cursing his creation, the people that he made in his very likeness. James saying, how can it be? How can it possibly be that goodness, that praise, that, that praise that's worthy to God can come out of the same mouth that we then curse his most prized creation with? 
He goes on to illustrate this. He says, out of the same mouth come both praise and cursing. And then he kind of leans in and he says, now, brothers and sisters. And it's amazing that he includes women in this because before Jesus, women weren't included. But when Jesus kind of unleashed his brand of love on the world, people that had no voice, people that had no say, people that had no words to speak, had words to speak. They were included in the conversation. And James is saying, brothers and sisters, this should not be. We should not be able to praise God and then with the same mouth a few minutes later, curse his prized creation. This should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And his audience is thinking, well, of course not, James. Why are you asking? Because out of the tongue, it can. It's almost like the tongue's like, like this, this magic trick, right? It's this miracle. Like, like two opposites can come from the same source. And no other place in nature can we see that. No other place in nature can two opposites flow from the same source. But out of the tongue, it can. He's saying this cannot be. You can't praise God and then curse those he loves. My brothers and sisters, <coughs> can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Of course not. James, why do you continue with these silly questions? See, because I'm trying to make a point. It is so unnatural what comes out of our mouths. It is unnatural what comes out of our mouths. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And then this is brilliant. James comes up with, with this brilliant closing that shocks everyone. He says this. The end. <laughs> James, wait a minute. You just started. Like, like you dumped all this nonsense on us. You, you, like, where's the hope? Where's the application? How do we change it? I guess you can't. You just needed to know. This shouldn't be. And James just goes on with his life. And as I was preparing this, I thought to myself, how do I wrap this up? And here's how I thought of wrapping it up. Don't know. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you for part three. <clears throat> the truth is, I don't want to do that. And I don't think that's James' point. I think what he's trying to tell you is this is that we never get to a place in our life where our tongue is controlled. We may think we do. We may think I've grown out of that, right? I, I've aged out of that. I've matured out of that. I've been saved for 15 years. I don't speak like that anymore. And James says, no, no, no. No man, no woman, no child can ever tame their tongue. You can guard it, and you need to guard it, and you will spend the rest of your life guarding it, but you never reach a place where it's done. So in that, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to give you three words, and this is gonna, where we're going to kind of take our conversation over the, the next week. <clears throat> I want to give you three words that kind of illustrate that this isn't a once and for all solution. That this isn't, hey, I've just grown up, or hey, I've moved on, or, or I've just learned not to. That, that this isn't the case. That there is three things that we need to do continually. When it comes to this idea of, of how do we control this, this source of evil and fire and destruction, what do we do? Here's what we do. I'm going to give you three words. You ready? Surrender. Sorry, remember, surrender, confess. Remember, surrender, confess. And, and if, you're, <clears throat> if you like alliteration or, or things to sound right, it should be remember, surrender, confessor. But that doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> so we're going to start with remember. Here's what I think James is telling you to do. Remember that you have unspeakable power. Remember, even, even if you're sitting here, you feel like you have no power and you have no control and you have no authority and you have no influence. If there are people around you that you care about and people that care about you, you have extraordinary power. 
Because the words that are spoken can cause a fire and burn down a forest or can speak unspeakable love. Remember your tongue. Remember to be quick to listen and slow to speak because you have unspeakable power in your tongue. And then surrender. And I really think when it comes to surrender, it's really this. And this is kind of where the big idea is for our next conversation. That when you say the words, <clears throat> you have to remember that it's coming from a source, the, 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 your tongue, which really comes from the source of your heart. So when you say anything, you've got to learn to surrender. You've got to learn to surrender your tongue. Surrender it to God. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, there's this prayer that, that I pray, and I've been praying it often. And it's really based off what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. It, it, he really instructed the Romans, offer your body, all of your parts of your body, as a living sacrifice to God. So I basically say this prayer. God, I give you my feet. I want to go where you want me to go. I give you my hands. I want to do what you want me to do. I give you my eyes. I only want to see what you want me to see. I give you my ears so that I can hear what you want me to hear. And I give you my mouth so that I would speak what you want me to speak. Because God, I think James is right. I want to remember that no matter how long I've been saved and no matter how long I've been doing this, there is this volatility in the tongue and with words. And the greater influence I have, the more potential for evil I can cause. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a prayer. It's a simple prayer to get you started. Maybe you pray and you can add this to your prayer life. Maybe you don't pray at all. And this is just going to be a great start for you. The truth is, no matter where you find yourself on the spectrum of not believing in God, maybe, or I've been serving him for years, we should all be offering this prayer. Because we can all agree that words are powerful. Words have the ability to destroy, but they also have the ability to give life. So here's the prayer I, I, I want to say. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Pray that every day. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Pray that every day this next week. Take six days and say this prayer. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And just so you don't forget, and just to wake you up, I'm going to have you say it with me. You ready? Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And one more time so you don't forget it. Heavenly Father, remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let's surrender our tongues. Surrender the words we say. Because these words can cause fires. But they can also open incredible doors and build incredible relationships. The last one, the last word we're going to do is confess. And that's once you say something, own it. Once, once the words are out there and if it hurts someone, own that it hurt them and say you're sorry. Like, do what you can to rebuild that relationship. And don't expect it to happen overnight. I said, I'm sorry, why can't we move on? It's like if we're to go outside and I slam your hand in my truck door and you pulled your mangled, broken hand out and I said, oh, I'm sorry, it was an accident. We're good, right? Yeah, yeah, we're fine. No, the apology doesn't excuse the trip to the ER that needs to be made. It's going to take time. Healing has to happen. And when you make a mistake and you say words that you know you shouldn't say that have hurt someone, confess it. Own it. Take responsibility for the fire you started. And then begin to build back that relationship. Begin to build back and allow healing to happen. It will happen. But it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not an immediate turnaround. Surrender. Remember, surrender. Confess. And the last thing, and this is for those of you who've you've kind of walked through life and, and you've been impacted by words, right? E even, even now, if you're a parent, you find yourself saying things that your mom used to say, or you find yourself saying things your dad used to say, oh, great, I'm turning into my mom. Where did that come from? 
Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you've been hurt by words in your past, don't repeat the cycle. Don't repeat the cycle. Break it. Don't allow yourself to fall back into that same rhythm of using your words to hurt and manipulate and scorch the people around you. We do it all the time. We're so sarcastic with our spouses and we're sarcastic with our kids. You may have heard this before, let me say it again. There should be no place for sarcasm in your marriage. There should be no place for sarcasm in your family. And you might laugh and think, but it's really funny when we do it. Think of it this way. You were hurt by someone's sarcasm. Somebody was once sarcastic with you and it hurt you. Why would you repeat the cycle to the person you've asked to spend the rest of your life with? To the child that you gave birth to in a raising. Break the sarcasm. Break the cycle. The words are the most powerful thing you have. Don't allow it to go on and continue to hurt people. Your words carry weight. Moms, your words carry weight. Women, your words carry weight. Us men look like we have the, 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 these big, thick outer shells, but our eagles are so fragile. Your words carry weight. Value the men in your life. Men, value the women in your life. Speak good about the women in your life. Speak good about them when you're around them. Speak good about them when they're not around. Speak good about the women in your life because the truth is this is the world we want to live in. And if you can't admit that, admit this. It's the world you want your daughter to live in. It's the world you want your granddaughter to live in. Kids, and if you're listening to this, if you're in this room, you were a child or you are a child. You had a parent or you have a parent. Your words are the most powerful words your parents will ever hear. And you kind of brush it off, oh, it's just my mom. Listen, there is no, it's just my mom or it's just my dad. They're the most powerful words your parents will ever hear. And guys, men, fathers, your words carry more weight than any singular figure in society. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. Break the cycle. Don't let it continue in your family. Don't say, well, my dad did it, so I should do it. Break the cycle. Guard your words. And come back next week for part three. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the words of James, God, that are so incredibly true. And God, sometimes they're even hard for us to hear. But Lord, I pray that even now you would give us the wisdom to see, God, the power and the the destructive ability in our words. God, and I pray that you would help us to guard what we say, to say that prayer every morning. Heavenly Father, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Help me to guard my mouth. I may never be able to fully control it. I may never be, be able to fully tame it, but I can guard it every day. I pray to give us the wisdom to do it and the courage, God, because it gets tough. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.